You're listening to the best of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Here's a great interview from a while back that I think you're going to love. Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Lines. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Don't forget about the live video feed on MyNorthwest.com. Of course, venerable TheOutdoorLine.com with blogs, videos, podcasts, and so very, very, very much more. Good morning, Joey Pyburn. You got red butt. There we go. How's that? How's that? There we go. Got yeah. you now. Okay. I'm a professional. <laughs> As am I. Yeah, no no question. So uh, the, the, the June gloom continues, and you and I were just kind of talking a little bit about this. It's totally cool with me. It's starting to get to quite a few folks out there. I think it is. They're like, come on, man. It is. We just want some summer. But listen, summer's going to come. It's it's going to happen. Uh, it'll probably be sometime in July. Yeah. We'll actually start to, it'll feel like summer. Right. So I'm fine with this. I like being out on the river yesterday. Oh, yeah. The water's perfect. Yep. It's green. It's rainy. It feels like like river fishing. It, it feels like Chinook. So, but I will say this, Matthew, when we were at the lodge- and and we're just about ready to jump on the helicopter back home. How nice was it at Peregrine Lodge at the very top of the Queen Charlotte Island side of Guay? It was beautiful. It was like, dude. I mean, people were talking about laying out on the lawn. It was, it was like amazing. You're gonna make so, people mad. Oh, I know, hundred percent. But uh, and then and then just mention the helicopter ride too. But uh, thanks to everybody that showed up on the uh, on the listener trip. And Matthew, how great was it to meet Georgia Husby finally? So great. She, I've been wanting to meet her for ages, and it was great. She 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 speaks of the of the weighted rod yeah. and, and spits when she when she uses the word downriggers. But no, she she's an awesome lady, and she's a driving force behind Peregrine. And so I was looking forward to, to Matthew getting to meet her. She's just just an awesome lady. But thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that came on the listener trip. It was so great to hang out with a bunch of folks. You know, you know Rick Poyer and John Mock, and and of course the Brotherton Brad Brotherton uh, family came up too, and so. Yeah, it was it was just absolutely a kick in the pants, and then and then to fish with some of those sticks. And Joe, you and I were watching um, a video, an old it was it's the video on YouTube is Oli's Fishing School Number One, okay, and the title of it's Hand Cut Herring. And I I got to fish with a guy that actually did that video, and his name's Neil Holmes, and and he uh, he is just a great stick. And I tell you what, I it, at, at this point. To jump on somebody's boat and, and kind of learn a couple herring wrinkles is just an absolute treat, man. Absolute treat. Yeah. And, and on on Wednesday morning, I mean, Matthew and I have caught, like, trout at the same time and tuna at the same time and stuff like that. I don't know that we've ever had a, a Chinook double together. Mm-hmm. And, and we did. And, then we, and, and, and that, was, that was a very, very special deal. So we're going to do the same thing next year, Father's Day weekend. And and I hope you consider joining us. And 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 uh, of course, got to fish with Larry Carpenter up there too. And then and then of course, the day after Larry stayed for two rotations at the lodge. He texted me yesterday. Yeah, they got a tie. They got a thirty because we didn't see a thirty pounder in the lodge, but we saw Chinook up to twenty seven and a half and mm-hmm. whatnot. And then Matt got uh, you know fifty eight pound halibut. So Lord, we have enough halibut now. 
Yeah, <laughs> we're we're good. We're good on the, we're good. Absolutely good on the white meat. But I tell you what, the story around here just continues along the same theme, where where we're we're hearing a, a good Chinook, and uh, and and we're actually going to reach out to uh, to our friend Mike Serdic. Our, our Raymarine guy, him and his family are out there at, at Nia Bay, and he just texted us a picture. They're on the water. They have gear deployed. Here we go. And luckily, the water is nice and flat for yep. the guys. It's been pretty rough yep. out there for guys trying to get out. Uh, they were able to get out the last couple of days and, and get their halibut and yep. ling cod. They actually caught a, a Chinook out there while dropping on you know on the halibut grounds, yep. which is a good sign. And, and, yeah, they got gear in the water right now, trolling, trolling the cracks right in tight, looking yep. for a big boy. And absolutely, we should absolutely need to point out that today it all starts. Yeah. It all friggin' starts yeah. today with our coastal Chinook, Chinook, Chinook openers at, at Nia Bay and, and La Push. And uh, I just can't wait for the reports to start coming in because we've been teased. We've been yeah. teased and teased and teased and teased and teased. Okay. Uh, we are Chinook, Chinook here. And there's a few Chinook here. And they're coming around, you know, they're coming around. They're, they're stuffed in the Columbia River. They're coming around Vancouver Island and everything. So, so now we're gonna we are going to get a true picture. Well, and some of the best sticks in Washington are out there oh, right now. They're in the water. Yes. So, I mean, look, I there's probably 20 dudes I have contact with throughout <laughs> you know the fishing season that are out there. So they're they're gonna start rolling in here anytime. I'm sure. You're the John Clayton of 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 fishing, oh, right? Well, you know, when well, I first met when I first met John Clayton, he had he had cell phones in every friggin' pocket and talking to everybody. Yeah, that's you, a good idea. I need more cell need phones. More cell phones, yeah, because one just really won't cut it. <laughs> but but no, just to get multiple reports from from a bunch of different guys. So it's so, what keeps me going. Oh, like, me through, too. You know, if I'm not on the yeah. water, I, I'm busy at work. I just like hearing the reports and seeing the pictures and, and knowing that my friends are out there getting on the fish and, and knowing that we will sh- right. be out there shortly. Oh, shortly, man. Shortly. Yeah. We'll get, uh, we'll get the 30 foot Duckworth back, uh, from Southeast Alaska sometime this week. And she's going to get a quick turnaround, dude. She's her, she's going to get pressure washed, change the lower unit lube and get it out there, which is also kind of why I, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up that we do have a Marine area 10, the, the, the resident coho program, Got going, and and our buddy Nikki Kester, the Puget Sound Pirate, whacking away on him, man, for yeah. sure. Yeah, oh yeah, and and nice size fish. You know, they're they're resident coho, so right. they're not like our no our but, fall. But it's it's not co- like they're co- emaciated. They're well. No, fed. they're I I mean I've been seeing the pictures, and Nick said they're plugged with food. Yep. They're fat and happy, and a lot of bait out there for them. They're already switched over to spoons, where normally if this opens like June first, a lot of guys would be running little mini hoochies. These fish are probably getting pretty close to switching over and, and starting to chase some of those small herring that are out there. Yeah, we actually did get a get a question on the text toy last last week about you know the life history of some of these some of these resident coho and and what's their deal and and I would I would liken it to migratory blackmouth. In other words, you know, I mean chinook and coho they're 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 not you know completely different animals and in, in, with regard to their life history and and and. Think of this resident coho program as as almost um, silver salmon blackmouth. In other words, these these coho they reside in Puget Sound and get some growth on them, and then they split. Man, they do not stick around. When by the time the adults are here, you never encounter them. I mean, mm-hmm. rarely. So, but the feed's good in Puget Sound, and so they stay. And and so it's a similar similar lifestyle adaptation to what we see with 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 resident blackmouth, some of which never leave Puget Sound, the majority of which do. You know, only only about 10% of a year class will residualize and stay in, stay in Puget Sound with regard to, uh, with, with, with regard to, to Chinook. 
I, I'm not sure what that number is with uh, with coho, but it's a great opportunity and it's really cool and and a lot of guys fish with them, fish for them in a lot of different ways. To me, that this this is an important fishery, if no other reason, but the fact that guys get, get out, out there. get out, run your boat, yeah, get out and, and get run your, your gear, get your face and your electronics, make sure everything's running, make sure. You know, that this, this long winter layoff is a worse thing for a boat. Great time to go use those electronics yep. and see what's out there for bait down near the bottom where we're going to be chasing Chinook here, you know, come July. Yeah, and and so a few other opportunities popped up too. So we just mentioned that uh, today's the coastal opener in, in, in Nia Bay and La Push. That's marine areas four and three respectively. As we move down the coast, area two, um, is which is Westport will not open up until July second, but next Saturday, Ilwaco the twenty fifth is fair game. Yeah, and that is going to be a big one. It's it's one of the largest um, quotas we have on the coast, if not the largest, and it's really going to be indicative of, of what we're going to see in the Columbia and up and down the coast. So the reason for the delay in Westport are some softer numbers of Thule's this year, which are that lower Columbia um, stock of Chinook mm-hmm. and there and, uh, and and there's some other issues we'll, we'll we'll be discussing about that particular fishery, especially as it echoes into buoy ten and and, a little, and our selective opportunity, which is the first time I've seen that in, in you know in, in my career. We're we're, so, we're already yeah. seeing really good numbers of summer Chinook moving into the Columbia and up over the dam. Um, our our buddy Scott Salmon has been down there Dude's putting a, a whooping yeah. on them, sending me pictures of just fish boxes full of these <laughs> just beautiful fish. They're chunkers, man. And, you know, like the, the pictures roll in, full fish box, 10 o'clock in the morning. I know. Off the water. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710. Here's a great interview from a while back that I think you'll really enjoy. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line. You're listening to the BOMAC Tech Line here on the Outdoor Line 710 ESPN Seattle. So you want to talk about a cut plug mooch and pedigree, go uh, jump on seattlesalmonfishing.com. That's the website of our next guest, none other. And Captain Justin Wong. Good morning, Justin. Welcome to the show. Morning, Justin. Morning, guys. How's it going? Good. You're down on the boat getting ready for a, a trip today, it sounds like. Uh, what have you been experiencing out there in, in Marine Area 10? And I know you've been mooching down in Area 13, too. What's uh, What's been the program, buddy? Yeah. Um, so both 10 and 13. I mean, you know, Black Mountain, we are definitely focused on the bottom. Um, 10's definitely got a bunch of bait in, in uh in area 10 so it's you know the signs are here um the fish are you know not cooperating every day as good as we want them to but there's definitely fish around for sure you mentioned bait on the bottom is that herring small herring in the sound right now um you know actually i actually jigged up some herring a couple days ago mm-hmm. and they were green label herring and some okay. blues in the mix so oh wow definitely some big baits around um so we've been kind of stepping up our bait size up to green label herring we were fishing some reds earlier. Yeah, you were fishing smaller baits uh, uh, earlier in the season. So what is the drill, man? I mean, uh, talk about mooching. Talk about how you set up. Kind of get, get folks dialed in. It's probably the most fun, and I mentioned earlier, sometimes frustrating way to fish for salmon. But it's all hands-on, man. Yeah, no, it's I mean, all Everything is in your hands. You're working the bait. You're doing everything. Um, 
talk about Moochin and, and, and what's entailed in it, man. Yeah, so from the from the start, I mean, I use um, moderate action rods just because you don't want a fast, fast action rod for mooching just based on you want to let these fish eat. And so we use 9-foot, 10 to 30 um, SAR Loomis rods, and they work out great. Line counter reels, Shimano Dakota line counter reels, just the line counters dial in everything, right? And so it gives us that kind of surgical strike where – we can drop our lines down to exactly where we need them to be um, using our electronics to get into the right area. Um, 15 pound test is generally what we use hmm. and anywhere from two to six ounces of lead um, and about six to seven foot a liter. Right now we're using three aught hooks as we kind of step up to these green label pairings. And what's uh, uh, what uh, liter you running? 15 liter? Yeah, 15 on liters, a yeah. little bit lighter this time of year. Um, once the summertime hits, we'll definitely run up to, you know, 25-pound test liters. Yeah, mono or fluorocarbon on the liters? On monofilament for me, I don't yeah. think these fish are really line shy out here. I mean, these are feeding fish. Um, it's not like in the river where they're going to be line shy and they're not quite feeding anymore. These fish are out here and hungry to eat. And are you running braid or mono on your reels? So off the reels, the main line is all monofilament. Um, my theory behind the monofilament is it kind of minimizes that trigger happy, um, you know, Strike. customer yeah, who yeah, wants yeah. to set the but, hook right away because you definitely got to let them eat with mooching. It's, that's probably the hardest part of mooching is, you know, when you feel that bite to just really let them eat before you sit there and, you know, set the hook. So now you get set up, you, you guys – Got their lines out of the water, like, okay, drop them. Do they just let them buck, or do you have them drop their baits at a controlled drop so they don't get tangled? Talk about talk about the actual approach and, and, and how you deploy the gear and how you work the gear and all that stuff, buddy. Yeah, so we'll set up on a spot. Um, and so what I have everybody do is for the first 30, 40 feet or so, hand pull out the line. It just kind of slows everything down, gets people in the you know motion of slowing everything down, and then once – they get past 30 or 40 feet, we pretty much light pressure with our thumb and a controlled drop, as you said, Rob. Um, and that just keeps minimizes tangles. Um, and we'll use the boat to, you know, back down on lines in case there's a bunch of current. And we'll back down on lines to keep that kind of optimal about 45-degree angle is what we're looking for um, behind the boat. And so, you know, if it means backing down in reverse or it means, you know, maybe putting it in gear forward to just get a little bit of angle, that's definitely what we'll do sometimes. Um, it seems like that 45-degree angle is about your optimal mooching angle to get that good spin on that bait. And then once they get down there, like I said, we use line counter reels, so I'll call out a number um, based on the line angle, and we'll get them down towards the bottom, and then they'll start to reel up. Uh, moderate pace on the on the retrieve will vary the speed throughout the day sometimes. Um, if they're not going, that's one thing about mooching. So if these fish, you're reeling, you know, moderate pace and they're not snapping, we'll maybe speed up the retrieve a little bit, create more of a reaction bite. Um, with mooching, the faster you reel, the faster you retrieve, you're going to have uh, a more aggressive bite than you would if your retrieve is more moderate. Well, I think people that are used to trolling, uh, probably, you know, they, they drop the bait down there and think, well, okay, I'm just going to let it sit there now. Yeah. No. no. You're dropping it down. You're reeling it up. You're working it up and down the water column. You're constantly working that bait up and down. Now, what happens when you get a bite? What happens when, you know, a, bait, a, a fish chases the herring up or they hit on the drop or something? What do you What do you instruct people to do? Yeah. So 
exactly, Rob. You hit the nail on the head. The two different bites are the slack line on the way down. And so I tell everybody, if you're letting out line and your line just goes completely slack before the number that I call out on the line counter, that should be instantly flip the lever up real as fast as you can. Is, is, um, that, when, is that when you get the question, what's wrong? Yeah. What's wrong? My line won't go I, out. What, ha- what happened? My line go out. I can't, I can't feel my signal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's either... It's either that or, hey, what's that fish jumping out away from the lake behind it? Why is my sinker floating? <laughs> Look, at it's got a sinker behind it. <laughs> it's your sinker, idiot. Real. Real, real, real. We're, we're, talking, yeah, with Ju- exactly. we're talking with Justin Wong of SeattleSalmonFishing.com. Cup plug charters, of course. And, and if, you know, I would say 90, over 90% of the guys you see out there, Justin, are, are downrigger fishermen. You ask them what they do. You know, hey, they're downrigger fishing. Well, if you're a downrigger guy, you got the luxury of dropping your gear down, and then you're going to go drive around till you see something on your sonar. I would venture to say that your approach is exactly the opposite. You are going to go find something before you drop on it. What is it? What does it look like? What are your What are your featured depths and current and wind conditions to set up to mooch? Um, yeah, so I mean, this time of year, typically in Area 10, we've been finding our fish generally between 80 and 120. Um, and so the depths will, you know, range anywhere from, gosh, I mean, we'll fish as shallow as 50 feet sometimes and out to 200. Um, but the theory behind mooching is you need to find where the concentration of bait and fish are. And so this time of year, I pretty much just blew my eyes on anything on the bottom for the most part, at least the bottom half of the water column. And we're looking for schools of bait fish, schools of herring on the bottom. Um, and then sometimes you might be in an area that generally holds bait, but there is no bait present, at least not on the sonar. Maybe there's sand lamps, um, you know, in the bottom, on, in the sand there, in the dirt. But um, if you see some fish marks right on the bottom there, generally a good place to drop during blackmouth season. Um, so we're looking for concentrations of fish. Um and bait fish, and that's where we will stop and drop our lines. Um, we're we're not going to drop on anything that's a blank screen for the most part, just yeah. because we're not driving around covering territory. This is more of the Surgi- surgical approach of surgical find the fish, strike. concentrate. Yeah, exactly. Find the concentration, and you know we can be very effective mooching based on the fact that when you can find that concentration of fish, you're right there, um, giving them a slow presentation. It's not a troll and then maybe turn around and try to round back on that bait pile, we can give them that slow drift right over the top of that bait and keep our baits right down in there and um, mimic kind of what these fish are trying to chase and chase after is the herring. And so it can be very effective at times for sure. Are you typically making one-way attacks on this, or, or, or is, there, is there so much current in the sound that you got to make one-way drifts and then run back up and make another drift? Or are you able to do two-way attacks on these things and kind of work up and down some of these runs? Um, most of the time, it's just one way. We'll just go with the current in the wind, um, and then we'll run back. And once we get off the fish, then reel up and run back. Um, mm-hmm. That's the other thing with mooching is, you know, you want to stay on top of the concentrations of fish. If you're drifting off of it and then you're not marking too much, move back up. Move back up on the drift and try to find it again. Staying on top of them is going to give you your best opportunity for sure. When will you start seeing dogfish in the sound? Because they're a problem, mooching. I mean, they're going to yeah. tear through all your leaders, all that <laughs> stuff. When when do they start showing up, buddy? Yeah, I mean, second week in June, really. Yeah. Um, 
sometimes we'll start to see them, but it doesn't get quite kind of full steam until I'd say kind of first, second week in July. And then through about the, the, you know, second, third week in August. So that heart of the king season, migratory king season, it's definitely <laughs> quite a few dogfish <laughs> you have to the, deal the, with. And the so, bait bill gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so Justin, speaking of bait, I mean, bait quality is absolutely everything to you and the way you treat your bait and brine your bait. Are you uh, brine it the night before? Are you a cut it and brine it the night before? Or do you get down to the boat first thing? And, and give us a little hint what, what you are brining your bait in. Is it a rock salt deal? Yeah, so the Procure brine and brine stuff, I mean, yes, I agree. it's dynamite. Oh, yep. Just the night before, just throw it in. And by the time you get down to the dock in the morning, cut your bait, and you're ready to rock. Um, you know, most of the time we're using cut plug herring, not too much whole herring for us. Um, and so you're ready to go at that point. How many? Um, but yeah, that procure stuff is great. But yeah, you're right, Tom. Quality bait is definitely key. You know, raised bait, all the all the normal good brands that are always out there. And you know, you go to the store, and as long as it doesn't have the, you know, red eyes and all that stuff, then it's probably pretty quality bait. How many trays of bait do you start with in the morning? Um. Depending on the time of year, really. I mean, blackmouth, we don't have to deal with dogfish and everything. So I probably start with around six dozen herring for four guys. And then, you know, I'll add add as we go. I carry some extra frozen herring as well. Um, But the summertime, we probably, I mean, on average, we're 13 to 15 dozen a day for both. And will will, will you fish those baits? As long as those baits look good and they're spinning right, will you just continue to fish those or are you swapping them out? Yeah, no, definitely continue to fish them. So the whole thing with I, that I say all the time is you got to spin it to win it with mooching. Mm-hmm. So if that bait's spinning good, you're winning. Yeah. If it's not spinning, then definitely switch it out. But if it's still spinning good, you're, I think you're still good to go. Do you ever add any scent? Very rarely, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes if I'm not marking a whole lot of bait around, um, just to kind of up the odds, I might add some herring scent or um, stuff like that you know sometimes we get a little funky and add some bloody tuna um but for the most part trying to keep it natural okay i'm guessing you're not using the miter box little uh, yeah. approach for cutting these <laughs> for cutting these herring now right that you can find at the store <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i don't i don't think i use those i haven't used that since gosh since i was a kid when i first learned how to cut bait. since you were yeah. nine yeah. months old <laughs> yeah. yeah you've been yeah, mooching right. you've been mooching a long time buddy and, and he's not yeah. on the canon pro staff either i can tell you that so he's he's justin wong cup plug charter go check out his website seattlesalmonfishing.com i guarantee you take a trip with this cat, you're going to be a better angler because of it. Justin, thank you so much for your time today. Good luck today on the water and keep in touch, my friend. Just remember I'm watching you, you out yeah, there, Yeah, we're buddy. watching. Always. We're going to find you, okay? We're my coming. binoculars are, we're, yeah. are right on you. <laughs> Go get them, buddy. Thanks, Justin. See All you, man. Right, take, take care, guys. Every right, weekend. Yep. Talk to you soon. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Here's a great interview from a while back that I think you're going to love. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line here on the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. 
LivingLifeAdventures.com, guided fishing in the state of Washington. We actually ran into Brianna out on the Area 10 uh, Blackmouth this season. She was running a charter boat out there. Yep. Currently patrolling the waters of uh, our very own Lake Stevens. Welcome to the show, Brianna Bruce. How are you, Brianna? Morning, Bri. Good morning, Bri. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Are you, uh, are you fishing today? What are you doing? It's the trout opener. I am. I am actually waiting for my ladies to show up. I'm doing a ladies-only day today on Lake Stevens. We're going to go look for kokanee sitting at the dock right now. Nice. We were talking about the kokanee bite a little bit. Are you just waiting for the temperatures to warm up, or what's going on with that? I mean, some years it'll go off, like in early April. What uh, What's the latest with the kokanee in western Washington there, Brianna? This cold snap we've had has really slowed it down and kind of pushed us back. Normally, this is like the beginning of you know, when the kokanee are going crazy. But all this cold snap and the cold nights have kept us back a little bit. And we're catching fish every day, but not limiting out like we normally do this time of year. It can switch quick, though, right? I mean, all we need is a few sunny days, get that water temperature up in the lake a little bit. And then what what kind of gear are you running for those kokanee right now? Yeah, just a few days of warm weather, and it'll kick off. Um we look for a pretty consistent 53-degree water temp, and right now it's actually 51. Mm. Uh, the last two weeks has been starting at 49 in the morning. So that's already a good indicator for next week. Uh, I am mostly running Dick Knight Dodgers. I've got some Aeroflash and some others. Uh, pink, orange, green are kind of my go-tos. And then this time of year, I'm mostly running beaded spinners, but I have been having some luck with some smaller flies, and I think that smaller profile is really the ticket. Yeah. When, any when, good any good names? We, you know, we've we've had the gold, the God's Tooth the spoon God's in tooth, the past. Mm-hmm. There. <laughs> what, what kind of tooth absolutely work? <laughs> Funny enough, I uh, might have lost my last one. No. I haven't it yet, so <laughs> I know. Uh, so those will definitely work right now, but I'm mostly running the Rocky Mountain Tackle Assassin spinners at the moment, mm-hmm. or just stuff that I've tied myself on some glass beads and that. Um, I'll tie in a little bit of flash on the hooks. That'll make a bit of a difference. And um, I am running, uh, let's see, the flies I have are actually from Joel's Jigs. It's not around anymore. And we talked a little bit about the bait you're using, and, and everybody knows for kokanee, shoe peg corn. Um, what do you like to add into your shoe peg corn? Some guys, it's, gar- you know, I know a lot of guys who fish out there will have seven or eight different little things of corn, different colors, different scents. What's, uh, what's your favorite go-to this time of year? I run two at most three different corns on my boat. I always run just plain shoe peg corn with tuna oil in it, and that's like tuna canned in oil. I pour the oil straight into the corn. And just that seems to always produce fish. We caught fish on that yesterday. Um, Garlic is usually my go-to out here, and I'll run that on the other side of the boat. And then sometimes I'll do like the um, Northwest Bait Fence kokanee blend. I'll just throw that in there. Um, Herring is actually another really good one a lot of people don't think about and can be really effective out here. Hmm. I was trolling through your social media, Brianna, and I saw a picture of a a really nice cutthroat with a jig in its mouth. Do you do much jigging for those kokanee? I mean, was that or was that one caught incidentally or were you targeting cutthroat or tell me about the whole jigging deal? Because that's something that goes on in Oregon big time and Idaho, too. But we just don't do much jigging in the northwest. Have you have you tried it much? 
Yeah. So that uh, that cutthroat we were actually targeting with those jigs. But we do mm-hmm. out here, and like the last couple weeks, we have been catching kokanee on jigs. And it mm-hmm. seems like before that water warms up and the troll bite really starts, you can actually have some really good jig bites on like quarter to half ounce jigs. Uh, I like the P-line coconators or Gibbs make some really nice little like flutter jigs that work out really well. And it's really fun because you fish them just like you do pinks. You look for jumpers and you go up and you cast out to them and twitch it back exactly like you were fishing for pinks. And they slam what it. What a bless. So What a bless. It's a lot of fun. Kokanee. But that I, bite seems to die off. Co- uh, once the water warms up, we quit catching those jig fish. Okay. Kokanee right. anglers kind of adhere to a cult. I mean, there, there's there's downrigger kokanee folks. There is leadline kokanee mm-hmm. folks. There is, you, you, you know, I mean, as, as many different ways to catch them as, as, as you want to put out there. I mean, there's even people that, that do the planer board program. You go to, you go up to uh, Lake Shannon, and they're chumming, and they're dropping single-leg potskies down below the boat. Brianna, are you a, are you a downrigger kokanee troller? Do you run leadline? Do you run both? And 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 where do you find them in the water column once Lake Stevens, for instance, hits that magical 53-degree uh, mark that you mentioned? Uh, I run leads and downriggers on Lake Stevens. Um, if I can get away with running flat lines and leads, I absolutely will. It's just a lot more fun oh, than the downrigger cool. fishing. But I do a lot of the downrigger fishing, and once we hit that water temp and the bite is good, most of my fish I'm catching between 20 and 50 feet. And every day it's a little different, but as the season goes on, they tend to get a little deeper. The thermocline in Lake Stevens is pretty much always at 40 feet. So most of my fish are from that 40 foot to like 35. Is there any other lakes besides Stevens that have kokanee in them around there? Is there anything else you try? Uh, There's a few. You've got uh, Rosiger and Kavanaugh are kind of the Mm -hmm. only other ones around here. And Mm -hmm. they're not as predictable as Lake Stevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rosiger um, is a weird one. I, I fished it a lot for trout. Never, And then I've also went up there and, you know, ran the downriggers and ran kokanee gear, and I've never caught one in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. They did start planning it, what, two years ago. So they actually, we used to catch some bigger fish in there, but not as many. And now we're catching a few more, but they tend to be smaller, I think, just because of population size. Well, and the cool thing about Lake Stevens is you have a self-propagating, there's a naturally spawning population of, of, of kokanee in that lake. I mean, you got Catherine Creek and a couple others that dump in there, and you'll, you'll see those suckers in the creek spawning in the fall. You'll hear the rest of this interview after the break right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. And now here's the conclusion of the interview right here on the best of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Brianna, I, I want to circle back on, on your mention of the, of the thermocline because it, it is such an amazingly important aspect to limnology or, 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 or the, how a lake behaves during different temperature phases and, and the importance of that. So... A, a, a thermocline, by definition, is is a contrast of, of temperature layers in a lake. As, wa- as water changes temperature, it changes density. And so what happens is along the, this, this transition layer, you get a lot of, you get, you get a lot of plankton, you get, you get aquatic invertebrates. But what does that thermocline look like on your sounder? How do you know how deep it is? 
and and how important is it to you as a kokanee angler, particularly on Lake Stevens? It's really important to figure out your thermocline. And the biggest thing I tell people is before you put your downriggers down is the big thing because a lot of people start throwing their downriggers down then they're thinking they're seeing a thermocline because it looks kind of similar. But if you go out, make sure your fish icons are turned off on your fish finder and turn your sensitivity way up. You'll see a really, like, clouded line. And it'll be pretty much flat, like a perfectly straight line, and kind of dissipate on both sides. That's that thermocline you're seeing. And Lake Stevens, once it hits that, like, 53 degrees, and I think that's a lot of why our troll fishery picks up at that point, is kind of when Lake Stevens builds a thermocline. There's not much of one out here right now. Everything's just kind of the same temperature and mixing around. But once we get that warmer water up on top, you'll start to see that. And the biggest fish I've caught in this lake have had their bellies right on that thermocline. I'll be darned. So real quick, Brianna, it's opening day trout season, and we know that you've caught, you know, your share of starker trout in these lakes in western Washington. What would you do? If, if you're out there targeting some of these starker trout this weekend, what would you throw at them? Uh... Usually, you know, when I go stalker trout fishing, it's kind of like that relaxing day, sit in the chair, hang out. So I usually throw power bait at them, but I use the power bait eggs instead of the dough. If I'm going to actually actively fish for them, or a lot of times if it's a lake, I can use two rods. I'll have a power bait rod out, and then I'll be casting like a number one nickelback frog, dick knight, or some mm-hmm. little rooster tails. And if I'm going to troll around, I'm going to troll like a you know, that super traditional, like, red and brass wedding ring. They all catch a bunch of fish. Oh, yeah. The old wedding nice. ring. Yeah. That's, that's cool stuff. You know, and, and you bring up wedding a... Wedding ring and a little worm. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you a garden worm? Are you a little red worm type of person? Or are you a chunk of night crawler? Because that's that's another oh, school I'm of thought on Kokanee, about, too. Yeah, I'm all about the little red worm. Little red I, worms. I remember going to the nursery to get red wigglers with my grandpa, and he had a... Uh, compost pile we'd put them in there so we had it as many red wigglers as you could want ever and they they just seem to work better i don't know maybe it's just because i you know remember it but i love those red wigglers we sell a ton of them we they're called um we call them dutch wigglers and they're these little red worms and they're super tough yeah crazy tough. They are. like you can yeah you know a night crawler those trout will come up and they'll nip the end off and then they won't come back and bite and these little things are so rubbery and tough, they'll come up and grab it, and I've caught multiple trout on one little worm. They love those little red Oh, yeah, worms. and we used to use them for perch, and we'd catch, you know, 10 perch on the same couple worms. They're small enough, you put a few on, and then they actually have a bunch of action. They wiggle on the hook. I think it makes a big difference. Hey, so um, what other stuff have you caught, incidentally, in Lake Stevens trolling around out there for kokanee? Obviously, probably some trout, right? Some trout. There's actually some really nice cutthroat in this lake. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you get into some of the shallower areas, there's some really nice cutthroat in this lake. We used to catch a few triploid, uh, but they were planted every year, and they haven't been planted for quite a while, so I haven't seen any in the last four or five years. Um, Funny enough, a lot of times we catch, especially this time of year, we'll catch big brown bullhead catfish. Just out in the middle of the lake over like 150 feet of water, you'll catch them, you know, like I've, eight feet down on a downrigger. I've, no caught, I've <laughs> caught two of them. That's why I was asking. Uh, the first time I was out there with my nephew, Easton, we're trolling around, and the rod just, brrr, <laughs> like, 
it's something heavy, like we got some seaweed on there or something. You got you know, a piece, some, of, so got a piece of kelp. Yeah. Oh, we got a walleye. Reeling in, and here's this big old brown bullhead, like catfish. Did you whack them? Yeah, did I did. Uh, I did. Good. They're Dude, yeah, they tasty. eat good, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They're so good. No doubt about it. Yeah. Fun. Bri- Brianna Bruce, livinglifeadventures.com. Thanks for the great segment, kid. That's uh, it, it, that's good stuff. I, I hope you can uh, find time to jump on with us again sometime, and, and, and good luck this morning on the ladies' trip. I hope, you, uh, I hope you're the first one to make a smoking hot uh, coconut report on Lake Stevens, Bri. Thanks so much. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brianna. Good luck today. Thank you. Have a great opening Thanks. weekend. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Yeah, again, her website's livinglifeadventures.com, and, and she made a, a, a really great point with regard to the electronics and your awareness of, of the electronics. She says, listen, you put a downrigger ball down, that's going to be hanging sure. underneath your deucer, and you're not going to get a great picture of that thermocline, and it's a salty point that, that she made. And the same point exists in Puget Sound, too, but it's complicated by the fact that we not only have something of a thermocline in Puget Sound, but we also have a salinity contrast, which is referred to as a halocline. Mm-hmm. And when you learn to recognize this on your marine electronics, it just informs your decisions on, on where to fish in the water column all that much more. Yeah, and what we're talking about is, um, like, on the Ray Marine, you, when you see bait, like dense bait, it'll be orange or yep. red. There'll yep. be some red in there. Um, a lot of times, like, shrimp will look like a little cloudy yep. film on the bottom. and this will look like some form of bait or, you know, it something, almost, and it'll, but it'll be a very hard line. It'll you know, be a layer. Like it, it, 60 feet down, you'll see this yep. kind of fuzzy line all the way across. And, and the that's top that of break. it will be flat like a table. Exactly. It, Just like Bree said, it's yep. flat. Pretty and, much right at, or no, right now, 40 feet and in here's, Lake Stevens. And here's a tip, here, here's a tip that, that you need if you go down to buoy 10 this summer. Because if, when you see that... In the water column in at buoy ten, the bite's over in that part of the river. It's gone. That's now that got, water. That's that cold water pushing in yes, and from the it, ocean. It and shows the, up yep, clear as it day. Does. It's and a the, big, the, you know, flat and, line on your finder, and that's that cold water pushing under the boat. Yep, and that's those fishes. You know, yeah, see a, to run. Yep, bingo. So if you see that, you need to get up. You probably need to get up river at that point. So just. Couple of couple of random sonar thoughts there. You don't mind you don't mind a random sonar thought, do you, Robbo? No, I'll be I'll be having plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah. Trust me, you, Robbo. Yeah, I'm already I'm already having dreams about my sonar. So. <laughs> yeah, that's how exciting things are up here. Right it is. <laughs> Robbo's considering the 2022 plotter art he's going to make this oh, year. So. Well, he's sitting there with two boats that are you know oh, still yeah. kind of in the process of being set up, and uh, yeah. he he had this stretch of beautiful weather, and he's sitting there. You know, staring out the window the at beach. guys trolling around right yep. right outside his place there. No, oh, yeah. Like the good thing, Nelly, there, there's plenty of fish up here. So, yeah, we, we'll have all summer to talk about it. But, yeah, things are looking really good. So, yep. All right. Well, you, you hurt me last week with telling, telling us about a 30-pounder getting caught in the harbor. So that, that crushes me. But, yeah, Joey and I are making plans to drop in the boat off this Monday. And then uh, then I get to do – I'll be doing yard work the rest of the week. So catch up on my honeydew list. Getting, Kathy has uh, infinite patience with me. Thanks for tuning in. We're very thankful for our listeners. And uh, this is a, as we get together with our families this Christmassy time of year, we are thankful for you and we consider our listeners part of our family. Thank you so much for listening and Merry Christmas to everyone out there and all of our outdoor line listeners. Merry Christmas to all of you. If you missed any of the show, jump on MyNorthwest.com, download that Apple podcast app or hit the OutdoorLine.com. We'll see you next week right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.